I'd like you to open your Bibles to uh, the book of Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 1 and 2. And as I started this chapter, reading through it over and over, I kept getting so much information, so much that's taken place in my life, just in these two verses that I felt the Lord really leading me uh, to share just on these two verses to try and hopefully um, help you understand it as I did many years ago on, this, on these principles here. So follow along with me on these two verses in Timothy chapter 6. All who are under the yoke as slaves are to regard their own masters as worthy of all honor so that the name of God and our doctrine will not be spoken against. Those who have believers as their masters must not be disrespectful to them because they are brethren, but must serve them all the more because those who partake of the benefit are believers and beloved. Teach and preach these principles. When I read this first time, when I was reading through this, when I became a Christian, I was reading it as Paul teaching Timothy. But as I kept reading and learning from God, as we've looked over and over the verses, that this is the inspired word of God. It's actually God teaching you. As you read the Word of God, are you opening your heart to what is it that God is trying to teach you as you watch this, as you read these verses? And that's when I started to realize that God was speaking to me and helping me understand how I'm supposed to be out in the working world, in my behavior. Just in those two verses, I looked at three different things. It's telling you that we need to be fully respectful, to honor we, we are to do good service. And we have to have a proper attitude to pull this off. In the earlier days, before the disciples and Paul started the gospel message and setting out to gather the first gatherings or the churches, you could say, they had no idea what these verses were going to do and the impact it was going to have. Slaves and their masters did not hang out in any social way. Do managing directors hang out with the factory workers? We don't. Do CEOs go out with the sales reps? Think about how these words change and fit your lifestyle here. What does a slave look like today? When I left Ireland, I arrived in, I'm oh, sorry, when I left Zimbabwe and arrived in Ireland, I was given the name refugee. An illegal alien is on my driver's license here. Servants. These are different names in today's time where we're actually slaves. We're bond, bonded to our, work, our employers. Warren Worsby's research shows that slavery was an integral part of ancient life. It is estimated that there were 60 million slaves in that Roman Empire. Many slaves found Christ, but their masters didn't. Not many of them did. So in Galatians, 5, uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse 28... Look what it says there. It says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. How is this going to balance out with their newfound freedom, newfound faith in Jesus Christ? In Acts chapter 6, 4, it made me really realize why the apostles said this. But we devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. 
Because this is where you get understanding to face the situations we face. The instructions are in the Word of God. You all have to be in the Word of God to understand this. And last week we looked at 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. It says, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the Word and doctrine. And that's in the King James Version. Labor in the Word and doctrine. If we're not in the Word, how do you... Fi- Work out what's going on in your life, what you're facing at work, at home. Wherever God has placed you, how do you handle the circumstances that you face? You have to be laboring in the Word of God to understand everything that you look at. We do not all have the answers, but we do know who has the answers, and that's Jesus Christ. How do we face the issues of life? And that's through prayer and the Word of God. That's how we can face this. They really need the Lord at that time to help them balance what they were looking at. This was a problem that in ancient Israel they had never faced before. And guess what? We face it here every day today in this world. The conditions in our country today are similar as those in ancient Israel. And for leaders to take what these verses say... And turn it around is not an easy thing to do. When I was trained and going to all these leadership training meetings, develop management skills and stuff, they didn't teach you that you have to be the servant to your staff. It's the reverse of what we all know today. Even the disciples did not grasp it. They spent three years walking with Jesus. And then James and John, the Zebedee brothers, got together and their mom and pulled Jesus aside and said, we need to have a word with you. And they were wanting to discuss who is going to sit on either side of Jesus in his kingdom. Who is going to be the greater of the ten? And the other disciples, they heard this. They weren't too far away. And it says in the scripture, they became indignant to that. Even they were walking with Jesus, watching what he was doing, and they still saw it was a greater picture of leadership and who's in control. In Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 to 28, Jesus says, But Jesus called him to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great men exercised authority over them. It is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as ransom for many. That's a, a picture that how many of us actually take time to think about and look at? Jesus came to serve, not to be served. So how do we serve people today? I have a yoke up here that um, is used five times in the New Testament. Once in Revelation, where it actually uses it as the word scales. And 50 time, 55 times in the Old Testament, it's mentioned. Yoke is a metaphor used to, to describe bondage and slavery. So I put there in the title of my sermon, What Does Your Yoke Look Like? And as we've looked over the past few weeks with Dr. Judd was preaching, he said that the pastor is referred to as a donkey. And then last week I was teaching on that it was referred to an ox. 
And when I was looking for a picture of a, a yoke, I found my two characters up there yoked together. <laughs> the Lord is really emphasizing this point to me. Is it going to work? I don't think so. These two guys didn't see eye to eye in it. But seriously, when we look at it in like Galatians 5.1, it says, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a slavery of yoke. Ephesians 6, 5, sorry, Ephesians chapter 6, 5 and 9, it says, Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh. And listen to this part here. With fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ. So who are you doing this for? That everything that you do. Do we know how to fear Christ? Do we know how to fear God? Why? Verse 6 says, Not by the way of eye service as men pleases, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. How many people still today are asking this question? What is the will of God for my life? It's in the scriptures. Here's just one verse. There are many other verses that explain the will of God. In verse 7 it says, With good will, but in NIV I like it better. It says, Serve wholeheartedly. Render service as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. Verse 9 says, And masters, do the same thing to them, and give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. How is this looking now towards men that are in senior positions, leadership positions, with staff? How's it looking if you're a staff, an employee? How are you behaving? What's your attitude towards work? Who are you doing it for? How did you get there? What is your purpose there? I, when I arrived in Ireland, I got a job with a guy. Well, let me step back a little bit. When I, was, when I knew I was on my way to Ireland, I started to pray and ask God that I could work for a Christian man because I'd been working for all these corporations and they, it was just terrible it was immoral. There was a lot of stuff going on. It was all about money. And so I wanted the Lord to put me in the presence of a Christian man. And my prayer was answered. I did get to work with a Christian man. But this man saw me come in as a refugee, a slave. And so he treated me like that. And his dream was to get five sales of these buildings. He had sold two in two years. So we started to pray. And the Lord gave me five sales. I was his only salesman. But he gave nothing back to me. So I said, well, that's fine. And I'm sure he will get to seeing that God is blessing us and he will take care of me. Nothing happened. So I decided that maybe we should put the price up and he will be able to take care of me better. So I prayed and asked the Lord if we could put the price up and get the same sales. When I suggested it to my boss, he said, no, 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 hang on a minute. We're getting five sales that stick with it. People aren't going to pay more money and we don't need to put the price up. I said, well, no, no. Let's try it. You know, I've got, I'm starting a new life here. He said, all right, it's up to you. The Lord gave me the five sales again, and I put it up from 9,000 to 12,000. Still got the five sales. Still, he didn't take care of me. He then said, if we carry on like this, you know what? You can take this whole business and run it. And I'll go do something else. 
I said, well, that'd be great. Five sales step coming in. He saw this money coming in. He wasn't about to hand over the keys. So then I suggested we put the price up again, and we put it up to twelve from 12000 up to 16000 He still didn't do any. And then I asked the Lord to increase my sales, and he did. We got eight sales per month. Still stayed the same. So I said, well, let's put the price up to 25000 This is no increase on any materials. And the Lord blessed me. The sales kept coming in. We were at eight a month. And then on my last year, I asked the Lord to give me 100 sales in the year. And he did. And in between that whole time, Linda was sick with her migraines and we couldn't afford the medication. In fact, she collapsed once when I was on a business trip with another man in the car and they phoned and we couldn't get the ambulance. This man was saying to me, you need to go talk to your boss. There's the outside pressures all the time coming in as well. But yet the scriptures told me that I must serve wholeheartedly my master, my boss. And I'm going to trust God to reward me and not him. I wanted to try and figure out what is God teaching me in this role. And so in that year, I did get that 100 sales as well. But then from then on, people started coming knocking on my door, asking me to come and help them in their different businesses. And then the role completely changed in a few years. I became the managing director of another company. And I didn't want my staff to be mistreated as I was. And so I started to pray, oh God, well, how do I fulfill the role as a master here? I'm the managing director of this company. How do I serve my contract workers who are building buildings? And so I did my work in the morning, and the Lord laid on my heart that you should go now and work with your workers on site. So I, I used to go to work in a suit like this. had a fancy car, big Mercedes Benz, and drove out to a building site. And I got out of the car, and I said, Lord, what do I do? I can't climb up scaffolding. I'm scared of heights. can't use tools like they can. And then I looked around, and the site was a mess. There was wood everywhere, and there was scraps lying all over the place. I said, well, one thing I do like is a tidy site, so I can tidy up. So I took my jacket off and hung it on the aerial, and I went about cleaning the site. My workers looked down and said, boss, what are you doing? Get out of here. Go back to work. And I said, guys, I can't do what you do, but I can help you keep a tidy site and sweep the inside of the building. We're building a school. They were so embarrassed. They were trying to push me away back to the car. The school building, the administration were looking out the window, phoned my office and said, we've got some crazy guy here in a suit and a Mercedes Benz <laughs> fighting with some workers cleaning up the site. Should we call the cops? And she said, no, that's my boss. Don't worry about it. That's him. But I wanted to serve them as, as best I could. Anyway, the next day I arrive on site and all the skips, these big dumpsters, were pushed underneath the scaffolding. All my workers were dropping their garbage as they did it down in there and smiling at me like... I went in to go sweep and they had hired a young guy to do all the sweeping of the dust and stuff inside the building. And they came down and said, now can you go back to your office please, boss? Be a boss. Go back there. It all of a sudden turned my whole team around. So the next day I'd go with coffee and donuts instead and feed them and sit and chat. And I got to know them, serve them talk to them, pray with them, tell them my testimony. The whole thing changed. All of a sudden, I had people helping other people, serving them, doing different things for each other. And our work just increased. We'd take a 36-week job in the past with about 24 guys, and they would cut it down to like two weeks with eight men. They just doubled up on their work. I never asked for any of that. But it changed by just turning this perspective this principle is a better word, of teaching here 
to serve others in that role. Colossians chapter 3 verses 22 and 25 says, Slaves in all things obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with a sincerity of heart, look at this next word, fearing the Lord. Do you fear the Lord? Do you fear him if you do not do this? We've heard through this book of Timothy, commands, principles. He's commanding you. These are principles to teach one another. So if you don't do it, do you fear what God could do to you? I do. Because I've read the whole Bible. I need you to read the whole Bible. I need you to look at who God is in the Old Testament. Your respect, your honor for him, the the awesomeness, these words like majesty become absolutely huge to you. God is the almighty God. It's very important how he keeps bringing this up, this respect of the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. See this coming up over and over again. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. That's what I was doing. I want to serve the Lord Christ in everything that I do. That's why I like the NIV translation. Wholeheartedly. If I realized everything that I got to do, he was planning it. He had put it there. And what he requires of me is do it all wholeheartedly. Some companies and I asked me to come talk to their sales staff. And they would ask, how do you do what you do? I said, well, whatever God gives me to do, I do it wholeheartedly because... I look at it as if it's mine. If this is what God's placed me in, i got to do it the best that I can and not look at it, well, I'm just an employee. It's not my job. It's not in my job description. That is not good. And look at verse 25. It says, For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. I'd like to... For you all to turn to the book of Peter, First Peter, we're going to look at chapter 2. And as you do this, yesterday I got this uh, mission statement from this company. And I was just amazed. I haven't seen a mission statement from a company like this. And I feel actually embarrassed that I didn't put a mission statement from my company back in Ireland. Something like this. It says, our mission through community support, volunteers, and professional staff is to help all citizens, regardless of age, ethnic background, religion, gender, economic status, or disability in our community. Listen to this. To put Christian principles into practice through affordable programs that build healthy body, mind, and spirit for all. To strengthen individual and family and enrich human relationships, bringing a fuller understanding of a, of and a deep, deeper relationship with God. Wow. They need to be prayed for, that they never have to compromise what they're boldly putting out there. What's your mission statement for the Lord? We work and serve Jesus Christ, and whatever we do, do we bring glory in the way we go about doing our work? So follow along with me. We're going to read from verse 13 to 25 of 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority 
And I had to realize I needed to do that with the president that became of my country. Or to governors as sent by human by him, sorry, for punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God, that by doing right you may silence the ignorance, ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men, and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood. And look what it says again. Fear God, honor the king. When you get to that point of realizing who you are serving, what has God done, what he's still going to do, you start to realize your purpose, the importance and the role you have in representing Jesus Christ. Verse 18 says, servants, be submissive. Employees, be submissive to your employer. So servants, be submissive to your master and with all respects, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also those who are unreasonable, like my first employer. It is a reverse in the way we think. And if you think about it, my favorite verse in the Bible, one of my favorite ones is, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding, but acknowledge Him in all His ways. When I realized that, and the more I read the Bible and looked at what I was taught growing up, it is reversed. You cannot understand why God does certain things. He puts this in these two verses like this. It's in the reverse of the way we live and work today. And way we taught. Verse 19 says, For this finds favor, if for the sake of conscience towards God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if, when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if, when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. Verse 21 through 25, it's, this is Christ's example to us. Think about throughout the Bible when Christ was walking here with us, his example of life. And we're to follow this. For, we, for you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving an example for you to follow in his steps. As you read through the Bible, you're reading what Jesus did and what he accomplished and what he was doing with his disciples the examples he set, even how he got alone with God to pray. He was setting example of a man coming before God. That taught me how to find my time, get away, get alone with God, find out what he's preparing me, get me prepared to face the day I'm going to face. Verse 22 says, Who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reveled, he did not revel back in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live righteously. For by his wounds you were healed. By his wounds you were healed. So when you take that last bit there and think about if you're not living and walking with Christ in the right manner. Think about what he did, what he took for you to live the right way. Think about what they did to him. For by his wounds you were healed. 
And verse 25 says, For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Just in that there, made me think about how important it is for our hearts to be restoring God to his rightful position in leadership in the church, at home. Does God have the right positioning in your home? Government. How does it look in government? Whoever's working in the government. Wherever you're working, does God have his rightful position there? Your work, schools. What about schools? How has it got so far that we've taken God out of his rightful position? We should be reestablishing the supremacy of God. The word has everything for us to handle, every situation in life. And you need to believe that. Whatever you face, if you take it to prayer and open the word of God, you will find your answers. Nothing is missing. Nothing is left out. Everything that I've faced throughout my life, I have found the answers in the word of God. I have taken my battles, my struggles, my misunderstandings to the word of God and to my knees in prayer. And God either shows me clearly the verses I need to get through this battle and I hold on to them. Or I will come across a godly man who would just be timely placed just to tell me exactly how to handle the situation in life. I dare you today think about living holy in whatever situation you're in, wherever you're working, wherever God has placed you. Now's the time today. And by doing it with the right attitude, you will be glorifying God in everything you face there. The way we live is an awesome testimony in front of our employers. We are looking at partaking of communion this morning in remembrance of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. So in line with verse 25, in the last verse I read to you, I want to ask you to ask yourselves these two things as we go into communion. Have you surrendered to the shepherd and guardian of your souls? Or maybe you have to re-surrender. Many years ago when we were facing frontier, we only came here for a year. And then the Lord started putting on Linda and I's heart and in the boys too, that word. I need you to surrender your life some more. So where are you standing with God? How are you obeying his commands and principles, his teachings? You're reading the word, he's teaching you back. He's asking you to implement this in your life. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 30, it says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Just think about that verse there. I highlighted it here. Take my yoke upon you. So who's on the other end? You ever thought about that verse? Who's on the other end of the yoke? And if you are locked in this yoke, and Jesus Christ is here, you're walking with Jesus Christ. You can't veer off to the left or the right without him. You are equally yoked. 
I'm not going to put my head in there. I was going to do that, but I thought if that falls, that antique, ooh, I'm in trouble. But I wanted to illustrate that. We sh- we, he's saying, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Here's the instructions to life. But what else does he tell us? I abide in you and you abide in me. But here's an outside look. He's yoked. You're yoked. You should be yoked to Jesus Christ. Walking and learning with him. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Put on that yoke with him. Jesus chose to go to Calvary. He willingly laid down his life for the sins of the world. He died and he made the decision to do that. Allowing our sins to be nailed to his cross. So what about you today? What do you choose? What do you believe? Do you believe in what Jesus did for you? Do you believe the whole truth in this word? Are you going to take the teachings and the principles and start to apply it to your life and turn it around? The way the world has it, it's upside down. This is the right way up.